the Wednesday edition of the Employment Hour. Hey, how are you? Good to uh, have you along tonight. If you're not aware, we do it Monday nights as well at the same time. We've got the weekend programming and, of course, global news on TV, 10 a.m. on Saturday. You catch the Employment Hour in 30. A couple websites you want to check out right away, or at least one. The important one right now is severancepaycalculator.com. You'll want to find out exactly what your severance should be. You can uh, dial yourself over that. Take a couple minutes, literally a few seconds, to go through the, uh, the quick metric and find out what your severance should be. More details on that in just a bit. Lots to cover tonight. We're going to be talking about workplace harassment. And phone lines, as always, are open. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, or one 225 talk That is absolutely toll-free for our pals in London. If you've never uh, joined the show before, Lior gives a little update of what we do here every week. Yeah, Johnny. Well, thank you very much, and great to be be, uh, be back and to talk about employment law. And we do have new people listening out in, uh, in London uh, this week, so uh, thanks for joining us. This is the Employment Hour. This is the time when we talk about your workplace rights, things that you need to know if you lost your job. And I'm, an, I'm, I'm an employment lawyer, and I help people every day that either lost your jobs or have problems at work. So maybe your boss is mistreating you, or you didn't get paid something you were expecting, and uh, you want to know, is that right? Can my boss do this? Well, no need to wonder anymore. No need to ask your Uncle Bob that had a job once. Uh, now is the time to give us a call right here on the show. Uh, let's talk about it. Let's answer the questions and educate you and everyone else. Or if you obviously prefer, you can call me at the office anytime. We're going to be giving out my number throughout the show. And to give us uh, to get us started, John, uh, let's talk about a couple situations that have come across my desk over the past few days. First situation, I have a gentleman that called me. Uh, he had been... Uh, in a car accident uh, a few months back uh, and hurt his back. Uh, he started physiotherapy and, and another treatment and eventually after a few months got well enough to go back to work. Now, mm-hmm. he still had some significant physical limitations, but because he had a, a desk job, he was able to do his job no problem. He didn't need any help or any modified duties. But because he had a very difficult time walking, uh, he was using a cane and couldn't walk more than uh, Uh, a few feet at a time, uh, he needed to be able to park very close by to the office. Unfortunately, where he worked, there was very limited parking, and the parking spots were reserved for some senior members of management of the company. Well, he asked the company to make one of those spots available for him so that he can park there instead of parking further away and have to walk. Uh, They said no. They said absolutely not, can't do it. It's it's your business how you get uh, to the office. Uh, and obviously, it was a big problem for him because he literally couldn't do the walk. And he gave him a doctor's note explaining it, and nothing changed. And that's when he called me, and he wanted to know, can they do this, and do I have any rights? So what I told them is, of course you have rights. Uh, not not even a question. They have to provide accommodation. They have to accommodate you. This is the same as any other limitation that you have if you can't walk, and the company can presumably easily accommodate you by giving you a parking spot near work. They have to do it. It doesn't matter if they have to take the spot away from someone else. They have to do it. They can't decide no. By failing to do that, that's a violation of the Human Rights Code. It's illegal. So what I told them is, let me help you. And the way I'm going to help them, John, is I'm going to send the company a very nice letter reminding them of their legal obligations, reminding them that they have to accommodate and saying, well, I'm assuming you were just very confused and, and didn't realize and appreciate what your obligations are. I bet you anything that as soon as they get that letter, they'll they'll get their uh, stuff in order mm-hmm. and they'll accommodate. And if not, then we have recourse under the Human Rights Code. But I want our listeners to understand that if you have a medical limitation, your employer has to provide accommodation. As long as it's supported by a doctor, 
your employer can't decide that it's too difficult or they don't feel like it or or it's not their problem. It is their problem. The law makes it the company's problem. And you, you have the right to be accommodated, John. And I know you and I have talked to many people on the show over the years that have had these situations. So it's yeah. a very common uh, thing uh, for sure. You mentioned your number off the top to get a hold of you directly when the show's uh, on or not on. That's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Phone lines are open here at the station. You want to call? That'd be great to talk to you tonight. Answer your uh, questions, Lee or Will four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on the cell or one triple eight two two five talk. That is absolutely toll free. What else you got going on, pal? Well, Johnny, uh, I spoke uh, earlier today with a gentleman uh, that had worked that has worked for a, a very large and well known retailer for the past. Uh, uh, 10 plus years. Now he's an older gentleman and he had worked a schedule that suited him, which was a couple of times a week only part-time during the week. And that's all he could do. That's all he wanted to do. And he's been working that same two days a week for the past 10 plus years. Well, wouldn't you know it, a few days ago, the company comes to him and they say, well, now we need you to also work weekends and evenings. So the shifts we're going to give you are not going to be during the day. They're going to be on the weekends or the, the evenings. He said to them, well, no, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. I have no interest at this stage of my life to work that way. I want to continue working the same way I've always worked. Uh, they said no. And when when he told them, well, I'm not going to change my mind, they handed him a letter of resignation said, well, I guess if you're not going to do it, then you have to resign. So uh, not knowing any better, he signed that letter. Fortunately, though, within an hour or two of that of signing, he called me and, and he and I spoke earlier. And I told them, but the first thing that you do is you hand them a letter right now saying, I, I don't resign. I only resign because you told me I don't have a choice and I don't have any plans on working evenings or weekends. Because, John, the thing is this. They can't make him change his, his shifts. That will be a constructive dismissal. So as far as I'm concerned, the company only has two options here is they can, uh, they can let him go because he doesn't want to work those shifts and then they have to pay him severance, probably a year's pay. Or they can back off because they don't have a right to make them. So right. that's why I didn't want him to resign. And I want our, our uh, listeners to remember that if your employer wants to change your shifts in a, such a big way, they don't have a right to do that. That could lead to a constructive dismissal. And, of course, as we've been saying in past shows, you should never resign unless you decide you don't want to work there. The company can't make you resign. They, they don't have a right to say resign or else. That is a termination. So don't ever sign a a letter of resignation unless it's voluntary. That's what I told this gentleman today. And if the company doesn't back off, then I'll be able to help him get the severance that he's owed, John. And, of course, if he does accept the change and works that way for a while, then he can't really go back and say, I don't want to do it now. Or they could change it again, can't they? Absolutely. Uh, Once he starts working, then he's deemed to have accepted it. Then he can't go back. And then he's potentially giving them right to do it again and again. Fortunately, this gentleman doesn't have any intention to work weekends or evenings. He can't. He doesn't want to. So it's really going to be up to the company. What do they do? And they're going to have to pay him severance unless they back off. 416-870-6400, star 640 on salar, 1-888-225-TALK, absolutely toll-free. And we'll get to uh, Greg opening call tonight. Hey, Greg, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, brother. What's uh, what's happening with you? Uh, well, the company I'm working for, is they used to pay a statutory holiday pay at eight hours for the day for the holiday and now they're switching to uh an average of how many hours you worked over three or four weeks and i'm wondering if they can do that since they've already set a um uh you know set a guideline by we're paying you eight hours 
So it's a great question. So so let me let me tell you exactly how that works. So technically speaking, the way that the, the average, you know, looking at the past few weeks is the right way to pay statutory holiday pay. But here's the thing. Because they were quote unquote more generous than that, they calculated in a different way that was better for you, that becomes a term of employment. So strictly speaking, they don't have a right to change it, even though they could have all all along done it the average way but because they didn't do that because they did it something else and that's better for you and your colleagues they can't necessarily revert back now that said uh, unless the difference in money is significant between uh, the way they used to do it and the way they're doing it now it probably wouldn't make to pursue this as a constructive dismissal that said that is a possibility to pursue this as a constructive dismissal and if that's something you want to discuss we can talk about now, the fact that they shouldn't be doing this doesn't mean that there's a way to stop them. doesn't mean that we can say, well, you're not allowed to do it. The only thing it means is if, they're, if they won't back off, you may be in a position to treat that as a constructive dismissal and leave with severance. If that's something you want to do or something you even want to discuss before you do anything, I want you to give me a call. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate that call. It's one 821 5900 or help at employmenthour.com through email to get a hold of Lior and the firm as well. Lisa, good evening. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Hi, Lisa. How are you? Good? We're uh, we're excellent. Good. What can we do for you? Um, I have a question for Lior. Um, I left a job that I had for 16 years in the sales, and I went to another company, a new startup company in uh, the city. What had happened was that they had told me when I left my job that I would be given training, and also they gave me a letter saying that bonuses and incentives would be paid out to me throughout the year, and I got a base salary for it. What has happened is now at the end of the year, there's no bonuses or incentives being paid out because the company didn't make enough money to pay out the sales staff, and the training that they're offering me they're offering me next year, not this year, before, right. like, during my three months probation. Now, Lisa, my question to you is this. When you started there and they made those promises about the training, about the bonuses, is that in yeah. writing? Was that somewhere that, that yeah, you can actually read? Writing. Yeah, and, and it's And it guarantees those bonuses? It's not subject to how they're doing? Well, it was subject to – they didn't say that, right? And then in, they didn't say that. So, so it simply says we're going to give you this amount of bonus? They didn't say what amount they were going to give us. Okay. But it's kind of complicated. But what happened was that they didn't make enough money as they were going to anticipate. So it's a seasonal company. So what happened was that there's no bonus incentives paid out. What they did is that they dangled um, in front of us um, the money saying if we if we book so much, uh, so many clients um, for the month of November, they'll give us seven hundred and fifty dollars. So we surpassed that, and they still, I still have to justify why I need to be paid seven hundred and fifty dollars. So, Lisa, here's how this works. Ultimately, uh, if if you can show that they broke the deal, that there was a deal, there was an agreement, and they broke that deal, then there's absolutely legal repercussions. You may be able to treat your employment as being constructively dismissed. And now that's important. It's important because not only would you potentially be owed severance, but 
your severance even may account for the time that you spent with the previous company. So here's how that this works. If you have a job and you leave that job because these folks come around and make you these big promises, and then they break those promises, uh, as long as we can prove the, the, that the promises were made, then you can treat your employment as being terminated and potentially get severance based on that 16 years that you even had with the previous company. So you could be yeah. out significant amounts here, but it all starts with us being able to show what the deal was, to show that, they, that there was a deal, there was an agreement, and then they broke it. So if that's okay. something that we can do, if we can have an agreement that shows you know, there was going to be a bonus, and then they didn't pay a bonus, yeah, absolutely you may be in a position to pursue that, Lisa. And, and what we would need to do is I want to sit down with you and I look at the agreement. I want to understand better how the company is doing, the business that it's in, et cetera. Yeah. But yeah, you may be owed potentially a year's pay, even more, uh, depending yeah, on a number of factors. You give me a call and we can talk and I set up an appointment to meet you. That would be great because I'm really upset because I left a lucrative income sure. and I was promised something else. And I, you know, based on the idea that this was going to be a success and because of your non-success, then I'm now, I don't get any bonus, but I but I, you know, booked a lot of business for you. Then let's talk. Lisa, appreciate that call. We'll give you the number as well, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmenthour.com. You want to call in as well, 870-6400, star 640 on your cell, or one 225 talk absolutely toll-free. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming right up. This is Global News Radio. You can also hit us up at 640 Toronto to get on the phone lines, answer some questions. Uh, Lior is ready to do that for the remainder of the hour. One triple eight two two five talk absolutely toll-free to call in as well. Welcoming once again our listeners in the London area. Welcome to the show, The Employment Hour. Uh, Lior, before we get to our topic for tonight, workplace harassment, more of our phone calls, I mentioned it off the top. I want to get into this briefly, severancepaycalculator.com. Well, John, you know, if you haven't listened to our show before, uh, you know, consider yourself uh, about to learn something very, very important, and that is the way to find out how much severance you're owed if you lost your job or you're concerned about losing your job, or if you're just curious. Find out how much you're actually owed, how much you're, you're worth, so to speak, in the eyes of the law. So severancepaycalculator.com is the address, and it's a free website. It's completely anonymous. It's simple to use. You answer three simple questions your age, your position, and the length of your employment. And you don't have to think too hard about it. It's just some drop-down menus, and then you're done. It's going to tell you whether you're owed six-month severance, 24-month uh, severance, or anything else in between. And uh, guess what? Most people are owed a lot more than they realize and a lot more than they're offered. So if you lost your job, it needs to be the very first place you go to if, you, if you're staring at that severance letter. If you walked out of that termination meeting and, and you know they've offered you a certain amount of severance, how do you know if it's right? How do you know if it's uh, great or terrible or, or anything else? Severancepaycalculator.com. And if you know someone else that lost your job, you, you're, you went out for dinner with the, the guys and uh, someone lost your job, do them a favor so that they don't accept less than their owed. Tell them to go to severancepaycalculator.com. Easy to use. Takes about 30 seconds. On the bottom, there's a contact button there as well. If you have to go through the uh, the quick metric, you want to get a hold of Lior and his crew at the firm, you could do that uh, as well. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. The phone number tonight as well as one 225 talk That's absolutely toll-free to ask your questions about employment, your job, or this, workplace harassment, which is what we're going to get into with all the stories in the news, man. Lately, it's, uh, you know, it, it's no longer a mystery. It is literally happening in every workplace you find, especially in the nasty ones like Hollywood. So, 
So let's talk a little bit about employee rights uh, when harassment happens in the workplace. First of all, what is considered to be harassment? Well, you know, John, we, we've all, uh, gosh, heard so many stories recently uh, about workplace harassment, sexual harassment, other types of harassment. Uh, it's impossible to, to open the newspaper or turn on the radio or turn on the, your TV without hearing stories. But the stories that you hear, is all, you know, by definition, only have to do with famous people. You know, what about uh, Bob working in the mailroom for mm-hmm. a small company? You know, that person can be harassed or, or, or someone, uh, you know, working in an office. You're not going to read their story in the newspaper, but their story is just as important and, and those issues are just as common. I deal every day with workplace harassment issues and, and those are extremely difficult for people and extremely unfortunate. And the law takes it very seriously and provides some very good remedies. We start with the proposition that no one should ever have to work in a, in a work environment that uh, is poisoned in a work environment that's harassing, that's not supportive. Uh, and, and there's an implied term that everyone has that we're going to work in a supportive work environment. Harassment is considered any type of behavior that viewed objectively would be considered unwelcome. So it could be anywhere, anything from, from name calling to putting down to using inappropriate language to obviously sexual remarks. Yeah. All of that is considered harassment. And all of that is completely unacceptable, John, in the workplace. We'll get to more on that. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Again, one talk to call into the show tonight and talk to Lior. Ask your questions. Get them answered. This is the time to do it. Got uh, Pat on the line. Hi, Pat. Good evening. Good evening. Thanks for taking my call. No worries. What's going on with you? Um, I have a question. Um, say I have a hypothetical question here. Say I have a specific day I, I got to move out of my apartment to another apartment, and that's the only day that I have available to move. Can my employer deny me that day off of work uh, based upon, uh, and I have to find another, basically find another day to uh, move my stuff out of my apartment to another place? A great question, Pat. So, yes, an employer is not required to give you a day off for, for moving. Now, you can take a vacation day, but your employer may say, no, you can't take vacation on that particular day. An employer generally is allowed to say yes or no to the scheduling of a vacation day. But unlike uh, you know dealing with a family uh, medical issue or being sick when the company has to give you a day off, it's, it's not up to them. With respect to moving, uh, even though in our reasonable employer is going to work with you on this, but strictly speaking, no, they don't have to give you the day off uh, for, for moving, uh, Pat. Oh, thanks a lot for the uh, facts. Take care. No problem. Thank you, Pat. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because that's something you would not normally think of asking. You know, a moving day, it happens, and sometimes you got stuff booked, and it's like, oh, geez, I forgot to call work. And then you call, and if your workplace is a bit of a stiff, they say, no, you can't have the day off. Then what do you do? Yeah, <laughs> right? and, you know, it, it's a tough situation. And, and yeah. you know, unfortunately, an employer can afford to, to insist in those situations that you come into work. And, and, you know, in my experience, most employers are going to be reasonable, right? Yeah. I mean, we're all human beings here. We're going we're gonna to help each other. But strictly speaking, in that situation Pat described, the company doesn't have to give them the day off. Kathy, we'll get to uh, to your call. Kathy, good evening. How are you? I'm good. Hi. Excellent. What's your concern? Okay. Well, um, I'm an educational assistant for the Durham District Board, mm-hmm. and um, I was in a car accident, and my job can't accommodate me because of the nature of the work. So I can't uh, do my job anymore, and they can't accommodate me, and I want to retrain 
However, I'm having a really hard time finding any help with that. I'd like no. to retrain no. as an ECE. No. No. It's mm-hmm. a job I can do. Right? Now, Kathy, are you part of a union? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so obviously, the union is, is the only one in this situation that's allowed to, to help you. Now, the company has an obligation to accommodate, and that may mean trying to find you another job and even to help you in retraining for that uh, other job, you know, depending, again, I'm not an expert in terms of the, the retraining that's necessary, but uh, as long as it's not completely excessive, they would have to provide that help. But the reality is I can sit here and tell you what the company's obligations are. I can't make them do what what they're required to do because the only one that's allowed to do that is the union. The union is the only one allowed to represent you, to help you, to to advocate for you. So my best advice is is push the union. I'd have to switch unions to be an ECE and go back and be able to do that job because being an EA, Mm -hmm. I can't do it anymore. And uh, ECEs are in ETFO, and I'm in CUPE. Right. Well, either way, it's still, in this case, CUPE would have to, to advocate for you. And even if it means to find you another job or to make your employer find you another job that may be in a different union, uh, CUPE is the only one that can do that. And, and you, you can't deal with the company on your own. So hopefully that's something you can work out. That's one of the problems, by the way, John, with being part of a union, right. is you, you're dependent 100% on the union to be your advocate. You can't say, well, wait a second, I'm going to hire a lawyer, I'm going to deal with this myself. It has to be the union. And in many cases, we've had calls like that on the show before, the union, for reasons of its own, may not push too hard. Yeah. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell 1-888-225-TALK. That number is absolutely toll-free. Uh, Eric, good evening. How are you, pal? I'm not bad. How's it going? Good, man. What's happening with you? Not much. Uh, I got a question. Um, a while back, uh, in August, uh, I, I was let go from my job, and uh, I was there uh, for about seven years, and uh, I'm pretty sure it's due to the fact that my employer or <clears throat> the operations manager at my place uh, figured out I knew he was embezzling money from the company. Hmm. And uh, he has a couple of people that are at the facility in on it. So um, there's no one really there I can talk to. So, uh, like, how would I go about dealing with that? Now, Eric, what reason was given to you for letting you go? Um, my mis. Uh, well, I so I went to go apply for um, uh, EI, and uh, on the letter it said misconduct, and I, I didn't get a copy of my um, record of employment either. Right? Did they like, give you a letter like, when they let you go? Uh, yeah, but it was very vague. Right? It didn't specify anything. Did they pay you any severance? Yeah, they did. They gave me. Uh, well, I was there for seven years, but they gave me fifteen weeks. So I'm assuming you had to sign something? No. Oh, you didn't? Okay, oh. great. Okay, terrific. So because I was going to give you bad news if you, had, uh, if you ended up signing something. But if you didn't, here's the thing. If you didn't, then you actually may have a case. And, and well, let me ask a couple more questions, uh, Eric. Uh, seven years, what kind of a job and how old are you? Uh, I'm 31. And, and what kind of a job? What were you doing? Uh, I was uh, in the distribution and the logistics. 
Okay. So someone in your situation would easily be owed six months pay. And so what they gave you is, is 15 weeks. It's obviously significantly less. Now, unless they can prove that you did something horrendous, that you did something so terrible that justifies letting you go for cause, you're going to be owed a lot more than, than 15 weeks. So here's the thing. Here's the way we do, we deal, we deal with this. So I want to speak to you off air, and then I'm going to write the company and say, you've wrongfully dismissed Eric, and, and here's why. And then I will engage them in a negotiation in order to pay you what you're owed. I can't imagine this would be very difficult. So the good news is because you didn't sign anything, yeah, you, you're, you're well on time still. You have plenty of time to deal with this. So let's talk. Let's talk off air because you're owed easily uh, you know, another probably three months pay. Okay. Uh, is there a number I can reach you at? Yeah. I'm going to give Johnny? it to you uh, right now, Eric. Yeah, I'm going to give it to you right now. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour.com is the number. We we'll get to uh, Tommy. Hey, Tommy, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. What's uh, what's your concern? Uh, so I'm employed by a health and wellness consulting company. Uh, I'm an, I'm an employee. I'm an employee of this company, and what happens is. Um, they have larger clients, big companies, who essentially hire me to come on site and uh, and work for them. Okay. Now, what's happened is, uh, I guess I've performed well at these companies, and um, they've said that they would actually like to hire me full time to be part of their team. What I want to know is if there's any kind of uh, conflict there because I work for another company, but they want to hire me. If in that process of hiring my company who I actually work for can kind of be like, ah, no, I like that. That's not cool. Like you can't go. So, so here's in terms of your obligations, you would only be prevented potentially from doing this is if you signed an employment agreement with them that says you can't work for one of our customers. You can't accept a job with one of our customers or solicit business. So this may be uh, something that your employment agreement says. If your employment agreement does not address that at all, then you can go work wherever you want, and there's nothing the company can do or even try to do about it. Now, it's possible that the, your company and their customer may have an agreement that says they can't hire you, but that's between the two of them. In terms of you, it, it depends on your employment agreement. Do you, do you know if your employment agreement addresses this? You know what? I've, I've looked through it, but um, I didn't really see anything that, that jumped out um, regarding that. So... I mean, I don't know if there's some kind of fine print there, maybe, but not nothing really. So, you know, you, you want to get this right because you don't want to be in a situation where they can mm -hmm. take legal action against you. So here's what I propose. Why don't you reach out to me off air, send me a copy of that employment agreement. You can email it to me, fax it, whatever you want. I'll take a look at it and I'll tell you exactly. Does it cause a problem or does it not cause a problem? Uh, so I know exactly what I'm looking for. So if you send it to me, we can take care of that very quickly. Wow. Hey, Lior, thank you so much. That's um, that's much appreciated. No problem, man. Tommy, appreciate that. It is help at employmenthour.com. Again, help at employmenthour.com or uh, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That is the number to get a hold of Lior's firm. So make sure you keep that on you uh, at all times. Hey, Mark, how are you, pal? Yeah, I'm here. Good. What's going on with you? Uh, yeah, can you hear me all right? Oh, yeah, we hear you fine. Go ahead. It sounds like your phone's got a bit of a delay, but go ahead. What's your, uh, what's your question or comment? Uh, yeah, so uh, I was, uh, I'm a financial advisor, and I had a contract uh, as a self-employed 
individual. And uh, just recently, they terminated me after 20 years. Uh, I guess one of the uh, stipulations was had to be disclosed outside business activities, uh, which, unbeknownst to me, after 20 years, that uh, that was in the fine print. I'm just wondering if there's any recourse on that. Mm-hmm. So, Mark, first question. Just so I'm clear that I understood that I understood what you're you're asking. So, the company that you worked for for 20 years, you're saying you were not an employee. You were you were an independent contractor. Yeah, independent contractor. So, mm-hmm. uh, received T4A income. Yep. Now, and, the, this uh, other other business interest, uh, Mark, was this something that was competing with that other company? Um, competing. Well, technically. No, it's not a competition because uh, I was self-employed. So it was something that they couldn't offer. So as um, as a, an advisor, I uh, had to find out the means. But they said whether they do the business or don't do the business, uh, we're not entitled to search it out elsewhere. Okay. Which I found so- out after I was terminated, but wasn't given the opportunity, obviously. Now, Mark, that company that you worked for for 20 years, uh, wh- what kind of hours were you putting in for them every week? Oh, gee, that was yeah, full-time. Full-time, uh, okay. So so l- let me let me tell you something that may shock you, uh, yeah. and that is that in the eyes of the law for the last 20 years, you were an employee of this company. I know that you were treating yourself as a contractor and getting T4A and, and filing your taxes uh, as a contractor, but no, no. Not even a chance. You were an employee. That means when they let you go, they owe you compensation. They owe you severance as an employee. And after 20 years, again, depending on your, your age and, and, and specific job that you have, it could be as much as two years' pay. It could be you know as little as 16 or 18 months and as much as two years' pay. Now, unless you were doing something that is a huge conflict of interest with this other position, then yeah, of course you were uh, uh, an, an employee. And the fact that they fired you because you were working for some, someone else is indicative of the fact that you were an employee. Because if you're an independent contractor, by definition, you can work wherever, wherever you want. So you're owed compensation here, not even a question. Uh, and I suspect they haven't paid you anything? Uh, well, they, what ended up happening was actually they, um, they forced me. I had a book of business, uh, client base. They forced me to uh, to sell it at a discounted price because they they only gave me ninety days. He's still there. Oh, we lost Mark. Mark we lost. Him. Okay, well, so what, what, from thing. what you gathered, yeah. yeah. No, John, I mean, hopefully he's still listening to us on the radio because uh, he's an employee. And the way they terminated his relationship, you know, 90 days notice, that's nonsense. Uh, He could be owed 16, 18, 20, even 24 months pay. So, yeah, he needs to call me as soon as possible. And this is a a classic example. For John, for 20 years, the guy is working for a company full time. Do you think there's any chance whatsoever that he's anything other than an employee? Impossible. No, and the, and the funny thing you linked up there that went right over my head was the, the fact that they fired him. They see him as an employee. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, when, when a plumber comes to your house uh, and fixes the, the, the sink, are you upset that he's going to a different house after that? Yeah, like, you're fired. How dare you? 
you know you, <laughs> that, that's the whole point obviously yeah. he's an employee of theirs and and uh, he's owed compensation and this is a very common situation i promise you there's dozens and dozens if not hundreds of people listening to us right now that either you know currently or in the past have been quote unquote independent contractors when i'm you know i'm doing the air quotes here because mm -hmm. in the eyes of the law they were probably employees which means they have rights as employees especially on termination they're, they're owed severance Mark, because you got off too soon, one 821 5900 Write that down, one 821 5900 Help at employmenthour.com. Still got some time to call through, talk to Lior like Mark did, like everyone else. It could be a a, a golden uh, golden handshake phone call for sure, so make sure you call us, 416-870-6400, star 640 on seller, one 225 talk That is absolutely toll-free. Talking about uh, harassment, and uh, next one we're talking about workplace harassment, by the way. Uh, should an employee talk to their boss if they're being harassed, number one, and number two, what if it is the boss doing harassing? <laughs> yeah, and you know the first question I get, John, when people call me in, in a difficult work situation, they're being harassed in the street of this, well, what do I do? And the first thing I'd like for them to do, and that's always kind of my first uh, answer, is I want you to give the company the opportunity to fix the problem. I want you to speak to someone at the company, the HR person, the owner, the president, whoever, someone senior. Tell them what's happening and give them the opportunity to fix the problem. Now, uh, sometimes that's fine, that's possible. Sometimes it's impossible. Well, if it's impossible or if you've tried to do it, and it's failed. If you try to do it and uh, they haven't done anything, they dismissed you, they said, we can't help you, then at that point we have to deal with it externally, which means I get involved and I either give the company a big kick in the butt or I simply pursue this by way of legal uh, action. Right. But either way, I always want to try or have the, the individuals try to get the company f to fix it. We want to make sure that the company knows what's happening. Uh, you know, if we're going to pursue this by way of legal action, we don't want the company to say later, oh, we had no idea there was a problem. If you had told us, we would have immediately fixed it. So we want to give the company the opportunity to fix it. If they do fix it, that's great, then no more problem. If they don't fix it or don't fix it properly, then we can absolutely deal with it externally. If, they, um, if the employee you know, registers the complaint or makes a complaint about harassment or at least makes them aware of it, can their uh, employer fire them? And that's always the next question I get. Well, yep. are you sure, Leo, that if I go and tell someone, they can't fire me for it? So, so let's be very clear about that. A company is absolutely not allowed to let you go, to fire you, to punish you, mistreat you in any way because you raised a harassment complaint. That's a violation of several statutes. I'm not even going to bother listing them because it's, it's that bad. Uh, a company not only can't, can't punish you, in fact, as soon as you complain, they have an obligation, regardless of what they think of the complaint, they have an obligation to investigate, right. and that has to be taken seriously. In some situations, the company can do that investigation itself. In other situations, they may have to bring someone from the outside to investigate, depending on who's involved and how serious the allegations. But no, you cannot be punished, and if by some uh, uh, weird situation the company does punish you, Man, the law is going to come on, down very hard on this company. There's going to be a lot of repercussions. Uh, damages are going to be, have to be paid. So every employee should feel empowered and feel confident that they can complain, they can raise an issue, they can ask the company for help without being concerned for their job. What's the uh, flip side of that? The employer somehow, maybe they haven't had a formal complaint from anybody individually, but they're, they're, they're smelling around, they're becoming aware that there could be possibly workplace harassment. What's the employer's job at that point before, before it gets reported? 
Well, the employer can't ignore it. The employer can't, you know, turn a blind eye or say, oh, I didn't, I didn't hear, I didn't know, I don't want to know. It's easy to ignore things. It's easy to hope that things are going to fix themselves and go away. But you can't do that and because, by the way, usually they don't go away by themselves. Yeah. A problem that gets ignored tends to get worse, not better. So what the employer has to do, first of all, the employer has to be proactive. If It needs to uh, you know, pay attention to the workplace uh, to understand if there's a problem. And if it becomes aware or even if it suspects that there's an issue, it has to immediately get into action. It has to start asking the right questions, start investigating, and try to see if there's something that it can do to fix the problem, even if there's no formal complaint. You don't, you don't get as an employer to just sit back and ignore obvious issues just because someone didn't raise a complaint. If you do that, you, that that's a potential liability right there for the company. Can the, uh, as we close up here for the night, can the guilty party, if they have found out they are the ones who caused the harassment, can they be fired for cause? Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, harassment yeah. is a very serious matter, especially sexual harassment. If an employee is guilty of sexual harassment, yeah, they, they should be disciplined. And, and in many cases, they can be fired for cause. So, yeah, once a company discovers uh, that someone is guilty of serious misconduct, especially sexual harassment, not only should it discipline, it should probably terminate for cause and remove that problem from the workplace, John. Great. For another Wednesday, my friend, uh, the number to call and get a hold of Lior and the firm, 1-855-821-5900. It is help at employmenthour.com, severancepaycalculator.com to find out what exactly your severance should be. And uh, get in touch sooner than later. Keep that number at you at all times. Until next time, and of course, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on Global TV, you'll catch Employment Hour and 30. This has been the Employment Hour on Global News Radio.